0: Welcome to the Psych Movie Minute podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Blum, and this is episode number 27. And uh, today we're going to be talking a little bit about the cost of college tuition. You know, we've been looking at, for the past 26 episodes, this movie from 2017, The Year of Spectacular Men, and it's an independent film that touches on a number of different things, but it's about the life of a young woman, a certain period of life uh, right around, and the time of her college graduation. And it's about some of the challenges she faces around that time through a series of uh, relationships that she has with uh, so-called spectacular men or not so spectacular as the case sometimes is. But through those, you know, she learns about herself. And so we've been touching about a bunch of mental health topics one for every minute of the movie, in fact, uh, that are brought up by different lines or situations brought up in this particular film. Now, honestly, you could probably do this about with just about any movie, although it, ju- it just so happens that this one uh, happens to have a number of good things that are great for discussing, a number of great family things, a number of great uh, issues facing young adults. And so, of course, we're going to be talking a little bit about the cost of, uh, of, of tuition and uh, how that plays out in various ways and how that know can impact people's decision-making and also their mental health this is a movie that you can watch uh, online it's not doesn't does not have a physical release as far as I know Um, I think I do believe it was released in theaters but I but you can actually watch it online streaming for yourself uh, on a number of different platforms including things like Hulu and uh, uh, Amazon uh, Amazon. Um, you I think you can purchase it I'm not sure about Prime uh, it probably is on there. Uh, you can definitely watch it on YouTube, where I am. If you if you buy it or rent it, you can watch it on a free service called Tubi, Tubi where it's uh, it's ad supported, along with a number of other movies, both uh, current and obscure and uh, and classic. So, uh, a couple different ways to watch it. Now we're going to be watching, as we have, we just we watch a minute and we talk a little bit about it. You know, we often will talk about with the eye towards hopefully giving you a few more things to think about uh, if you're listening. You know, we kind of, when we, um, a co-host and I, uh, Kathleen Adams, we're both psychiatrists. And so we often will see uh, uh, people of a wide variety of uh, age ranges. We both are trained to work with children, uh, but that also means with families uh, and also adults. Um, Typically, you know, sometimes people have a question about what a psychiatrist is and You know, because when it comes to mental health kinds of things, there's a lot of, like, confusion about what people do. Uh, At least for a psychiatrist, uh, there are people that have gone to medical school, become physicians first, and your first year afterwards, you go through uh, an internship where typically you'll learn a lot about various different things. Though if you go into psychiatry at this point, you'll have some psychiatry in there, a couple months usually. Uh, as well as a couple, uh, a bunch of other stuff too. And so I think all said and t- done, it ends up being six or seven months of other stuff. So things like pediatrics or internal medicine or emergency room work or things like that. And then you'll have the rest will be some kind of uh, psychiatric training, whether it's in, in, a, in a hospital or outside uh, in an outpatient setting. It depends on where you go and what exactly you do. But that typically lasts about four years uh, for many people. Um, And if you want to work with children that's usually an additional two years. And uh, some people will choose to do that, are able to do that two years a little bit earlier. So all said and told, um, it's a number of years before you can actually kind of get out and doing whatever it is you're doing. And uh, I would say despite that training we often are learning really throughout our careers because you know even if you so for example my training was six years uh, after medical school so a total of 10 years but i would say like just that basic and i would say basic uh place of where it gets you it gets you to place of i would say competence but then there's a lot of stuff that you, you learn that you then have to maybe kind of make your own. And sometimes you have to unlearn. So one of the things that we learned, of course, in medical school is that half of what you learn is probably gonna be inaccurate by the time you actually get out or at some point in your career, but you just don't know which half. <laughs> So you're constantly learning and growing, and I, I would say a lot of that comes from the patients that we work with. I mean, they teach us an enormous amount. You're constantly encountering situations that you don't know, and that's how this podcast came to be. I was, I was looking for ways that convey certain ideas and concepts to, to, to patients in a way other than you know us just discussing them, because you, words will only get you so far, and obviously most of your life is lived outside of a doctor's office, outside a therapist's office, uh, whatever. And so there's only so many, so many ways to get at that kind of experiential uh, knowledge. One of the ways that it's a little bit, you can kind of get it, at least vicariously, in a little bit realer way is through, say, books or movies or things like that. Of course, I'm always looking on the lookout for things like that. Um, in a span of a couple of minutes, you can often show somebody a video clip uh, or recommend that hey, this is something you might be able to check out. Now, at the time when I learned about this film, uh, it was not. Oh, uh, what was it? I think I learned about it initially, bef- maybe before it was out. And I, because um, I work with young adults, and and then I, I think I forgot about it. And then I, um, I found it again after it was already had already been out for a year or two. I think, I think it took a couple, a couple of years to make because it was really, you know, it was really done by family all the the funding and everything like that that had to be done besides the writing and actual production of the film i mean was really done by a, I think a relatively small group of people for i don't I don't think very much money for a movie but anyway i mean we're learning about it and thinking this would be a great thing to be able to share with patients the experience of the main character izzy and some of the things that she talks about and uh, Experiences and uh, have, you know, obviously recommended it to a number of other people. Uh, I think those things can often be very helpful. Let's uh, stop talking about it, and let's actually watch the clip that uh, we're going to be discussing today. Now, as a background, Izzy has just graduated from college. She kind of, we get the sense that she probably graduated sort of by the skin of her teeth, but she graduated, and uh, she is facing what to do next. And so when we pick up this minute, she is greeting her mother at the... um, Right after the ceremony, it looks like, and uh, they're gonna, um, I think, go out to go out to lunch or something like that afterwards. So I'm gonna pull up the clip here. You'll hear it in the background, and you can watch along at the same time. Minute twenty-six. Dog, so true though. Check oh, it out. Look at this. Ah, a bachelor of arts. Yeah. Wow. This has awesome. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, honey, I could feel your father's spirit with us during the whole ceremony can tell that he is so proud. So proud. Of course he would have rather you graduated from Yale, but this is okay. Thanks, Mom. Uh, where's <laughs> none of this? Oh, she had to run uptown to the International Yoga Center to get some Bodhi Aya wind chimes and F-sharp. They're very, very special. But she's going to join us for vegan. What? No, Mom, vegan, please, just, no. Honey, 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 Sabrina told me you had waffles for dinner the other night. Why are you to out a conversation about my diet? It's a concern of the families. You know, maybe you should just let the vegan go. Please, don't do this to me. That's <gasps> Hey, not... honey. Oh, hi. 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 So nice to this find you. This is your mother's way. partner. Yeah. yeah. Let's go, go in. Let's go in. Your graduation was so beautiful. Thank you so much. Oh. He's this place. I know. It's my thing. Okay. So... Izzy, uh, so the, the back story of this, and you can, you can kind of go through the other episodes if you haven't, or just you know, just watch the film, is uh, that her, uh, the, Izzy's father is, has passed. Now, uh, he's, he died actually by suicide. We learned that in the first couple of minutes of the film. So that's not necessarily known by everybody in the family, namely her younger sister. And she's been dealing with that on her own for the last couple of years. Her mother has since moved on, at least superficially and is uh now dating this woman um that we have, you just heard uh who is i think a lot younger and is a i think yoga instructor or no her mother's a yoga instructor i don't know is involved in yoga and somehow they have similar interests i think her mother does it like a wellness podcast or something of that sort and so i think that's actually coming up in a future minute but A lot younger, probably about the same age, not much older, I think, than Izzy. And there's a point of contention between Izzy's younger sister, who does not agree uh, or or like this new partner. um, And so that makes family gatherings difficult. And I think one of the reasons why Izzy's younger sister is not there at the graduation. Izzy's younger sister is a successful actress and uh, model and uh, was there briefly in other minutes and uh, is not here for her graduation. And you can see, like, um, or you could hear, the when you give somebody a compliment, but then you also give them a, a little jab on top of that, that kind of takes away the compliment. Uh, what is the name for that? Backhanded compliment? Something like that. It's uh, a takeaway. Maybe that's was, that was the word I was thinking of. It's like, uh, congratulations, you graduated, but it would have been nice had you graduated from Yale. Oh, and this costs how much? Yeah. So it never actually says where she graduates from, but presumably it's a private school. Uh, It is in New York City. Uh, That's where this is taking place at this particular point in the story. So just thinking about living expenses, it probably was a fair amount of coin. Uh, Private schools at this particular point uh, each year, uh, I'm recording this in 2022, um, we're usually looking in the range of, depending on the school, of course, a big range of somewhere between fifty to you know what seventy thousand dollars, you know, uh, more in some cases and um, yeah, less in others, but uh, it's a lot of money, about the cost of a new car in some cases. Um, it, it and then you think about it, that's one year, four years, or sometimes in the cases of some folks, you know, it takes them more than one year of grad to graduate. you don't pass a year it's not like you get a refund you know you have to do another year or another semester or whatever so of course people don't necessarily pay all that upfront in cash Uh, you know they often they'll take out loans now it never doesn't actually say I don't at this point in time how Izzy's college education has been financed she may very well have loans and many people of course do some in some cases Colleges have, now I work at two, they will have large endowments, meaning like large chunks of change that they have been given by alumni and other organizations uh, or individuals uh, for doing things with, building uh, for other things like that. And in some cases, they will use that, that funds, those funds to... Uh, establish um, grants or other kinds of things like that, uh, so students can come. Now it depends, of course, on the on the university. Um, if you're recruited in some way, you may have access to some access to some of those funds. Uh, Izzy's not an athlete. Uh, she, as far as we know, she wasn't recruited for other things. She might have been. We just don't know. In some cases, that can make a big difference. Other cases, uh, it might, you know, offset some costs. Now, um, some students will kind of get around the idea uh, or this massive tuition bill by chipping away at some of it by, you know, through something like work-study or something like that, meaning that they're responsible for paying for a chunk of it through their work. Uh, and so they'll, they'll have various jobs. It's sort of like a, I don't want to say indentured servitude, though it kind of is in some ways. Um, you know, I, I think that applies often to student athletes where they, they're recruited to, I don't know, let's just say, I don't know, Play something: baseball, football, something like that. But then they discover along the along the way that they can no longer play. Maybe they're injured, uh, or maybe you know the nature of the sport itself is just not one that agrees with them. And uh, sometimes the the relationships in the team can be quite toxic, or they discover that, nah, eh, I just <laughs> really hate this. Um, and it's adversely affecting them in various ways. Sometimes people will pile up numerous injuries. So um, I've seen many, many folks who had a series of concussions uh, through the course of their sport, for example, uh, and really should not be playing anymore. Now, obviously, he hit a concussion in the in the sink falling, you know, or hitting their head on the uh, or you know in the bathroom hitting their head on a sink or something like that. But you know, someone may tell them along the way that you know you need to mitigate risk as much as possible. You really shouldn't be playing a contact sport like football or soccer or whatever. And by the way, you know, I have to say, I see more folks who've had concussions out of so-called non-contact sports, you know, cheerleading, soccer, uh, those kind of things like that, than than sometimes they do with, with other things, you know. I mean, it just goes to show that when you get a... When you get assistance with college tuition in various ways, sometimes it's not always free. Sometimes it it comes with terms, there's strings attached. In the cases of like athletes, for example, in the case of someone who's recruited to do something else uh, on campus and they maybe are not necessarily always interested. Sometimes it comes with other things involved like, okay, yes, we'll pay your tuition, we'll cover your tuition or a portion of it, but you have to do a certain thing. Like I mentioned, the work study you know often people can find ways of getting doing that, and it's, it's it's usually not necessarily something that's going to get interfere with their schoolwork. But in some ways, sometimes it can be. So let's say you're 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 an RA, you know, a residence uh, residential advisor. Often, your know, your room and board may be covered in that case, or at least your room. Sometimes not the not the not the food part. So, it's, so it depends on the on the the school. But that can that can often take up a lot of time depending on what it is. It can add a fair amount of stress if you're when you're responsible for other people. So a lot of other things there. Um, So one of the things that is will come up in future minutes is when Izzy sort of monologues about what am I going to do with my life? And the last minute was actually a little bit about that. What am I going to do with my life? What am I using my time for? And And that leads to a fair amount of depression about well, I don't have a direction. And so I think that's a common concern that a lot of folks have uh, looking at, say, four years that they spent a lot of time and effort and money, of course, spent getting this degree, which is in many cases, uh, I don't say necessarily a requirement for progressing on to the next thing, but is often a barrier to entry for a lot of folks in a lot of fields having that diploma, bachelor's or uh, even associate's degree from a university. Obviously, there's cheaper ways of going about doing it, but it's uh, it's it's certainly an expense, uh, regardless of which way you go. And I think one of the things that is less true now, even though it is probably more true that you have to have one, is that what that actually gets you. And so in a lot of cases, I, I, we don't actually know what Izzy uh, studied. Well, you know, her last class was in theater, but presumably she went to, it's how it looks like a liberal arts type of university and got a liberal arts education. So uh, she is a bachelor of arts and doesn't say in what, but um, in a lot of cases, you know, that is sort of like a point where, a point to start. So, you know, if you say got a bachelor's of arts in English, for example, you know, maybe that would be the bench or the sort of basic requirement that you would have if, in case you wanted to do something else in that field. If you wanted to, say, go on and teach, you know, you probably need to get an advanced degree, but you had to have that, that bachelor's to get to to, to get to that point, right? So it's sort of a, it's a hoop to jump through and a barrier to entry. I think a lot of times people are learning not necessarily specific skills in undergraduate schools, but they're learning uh, more broad ideas about how to think, you know, think critically, uh, how to look for information, those kind of things like that. And you're also getting, I think, a certain branding, I guess you would say, depending on the university and a a built-in kind of alumni network, depending on the school, of course, but uh, many schools will have uh, alumni networks that you're also getting. That's not, it's kind of one of these intangibles that's not included Uh, how would you say this it's an intangible that goes along with the diploma but you didn't necessarily you might not have thought of when you were and it's not included necessarily in the price but it's it's almost like sort of a a freebie but it's also very important it's kind of like when you sign up when you when you sign on the dotted line for a job your salary is more than the money you're being paid it is the money you're being paid but there's all this other stuff that goes with that some of it might be things like health insurance it might be in a network of people that you now have as colleagues. It might be other things like, you know, gym memberships and things like that. There's not really, it's, it's an intangible that goes along with it. It's a perk. So one of those might be um, this idea of learning how to think critically, learning how to look for information, learning where to look for information, learning who to ask and uh, having a, a support network. Now we don't, you don't get that here. We don't, uh, we don't, we don't have any alumni coming out of the network or the the, uh, the woodwork? I think to help Izzy in this moment, but not everybody necessarily takes advantage of those things or has access to them in the same way. But it can be there. Uh, but the cost the the cost of it, I think, is uh, something that weighs very heavily on a lot of people's minds and is often the source of a lot of anxiety. So if I spend this time here, what is that going to translate into? you know is it going to make me better able to get a job? Is it going to be, make me better able to uh, achieve some measure of success in my life, however you define that? And I don't think that's anything anybody can answer. I think often schools will hold up, um, especially let's uh, talk about the last two years, you know, with uh, with the changes that the pandemic have uh, have made for school, have forced schools to make, you know. Uh, in many cases, here's the thing, in many cases uh, even though instruction may have been remote the cost did not go down the cost some in some cases actually may have gone up although i don't know if necessarily schools did that but costs may have gone up because there was a whole infrastructure that had to be created in some cases for remote learning recording of lectures software the digital capabilities to do that, all that kind of stuff, and all that other stuff that you get out of a college education—another intangible, of course, being the actual experience of college, uh, the friendships you make, all that kind of stuff—was lost by a lot of people, at least for a year. In some cases, in some cases more. Some cases at the time of this recording, which is January 2022, that exact same thing is happening as happened last year, spring of 2020. It seems like a long time ago, but money is an inevitable, uh, is a part of it. That's inseparable from all these different things that go with uh, an education. Now, I will say that if you're not paying in terms of money, you are paying in terms of time. So, either time or money is going to be required to get yourself to get yourself learned, basically. And and, you know, I think often people who are successful in whatever they do they they put in more time and or money in it to get to that point. So, obviously, not everyone necessarily needs to go to college. I, I don't. I think that's a. I don't know if we'll cover that in a future minute, but or if we have up to that. I don't think we've touched about that necessarily. That's often a question that sometimes people will ask. Like, do you think it's necessary? You know, parents will sometimes ask that. You know, sometimes I talk to parents before kids have actually gone to college, and some in some cases they've had the, the 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 children have had a really tough time getting through high school. Is college for everybody? I don't think so. I think it could be helpful, but I, I think it, as with any kind of schooling, the environment makes a big, big, big difference. And so when you look at the amount of time and effort it takes to get to that point, it's a real cost benefit kind of thing, I think uh as with anything, you get out of it what you put into it, but is it going to be worth it? I think there's a bias that we have this is a social psychology kind of thing, and you can look up these studies uh There's a bias that we have if we've invested more time in something we right, had to do more for it, we tend to think we tend to be biased that it's going to be more worth it that we we it's it's uh and that's why it's often helpful for things not to be 100% free. If we invest a little bit, uh, we're likely to view it as more valuable. But, 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 at, at what point do you say that enough is enough? Like, if you look at how much college has increased over the last couple of decades, at what point is it going to be priced out and people are not going to be able to afford it anymore? Now, there will always be some people who can afford it, and there probably always will be ways so, um, and there's some some situations where uh, if the family the family culture might view it as a or the the culture of a particular group of people. I mean, I think immigrant families are often in this boat. Uh, I come from one, so I know. And, and obviously, you can you can stereotype that in many in various ways. But I think as often when folks. Are, they're, I'm going to structure my life so that my children can have a better life than I did. I'm going to provide for them so they can do things that I was not able to do. Their uh, often education is high on that list. And so people will do all kinds of things to make sure that their children have access to education. That may mean that they forego all kinds of stuff and find ways of getting getting the tuition paid for, you know, maybe not necessarily in full, but people will find all kinds of ways. So there always will be some who will pay probably whatever it is, but, or will take off massive loans to pay whatever it is. But on the other hand, at some point, it's going to be very, very difficult for most people to justify it. And of course, that says nothing of uh, then professional educations. Uh, When I went to medical school, I thought the college tuition was incredibly expensive medical school was like one and a half times that unless you managed to get yourself into a PhD program uh, and then it was paid for uh, or uh, you join the military or or uh, National Health Service Corps something else where there's a service commitment of usually a couple of years usually one one year per year that it's covered so it's not free nothing is free um, and sometimes uh, those are big decisions that someone may not feel ready for and often will lead to a lot of anxiety because you're making this decision without necessarily knowing, is it the right one? Is, it, is Am I going to regret this in a couple of years? And that then generates a fair amount of anxiety often by paralysis, which we talked about in previous minutes. So it doesn't really, certainly doesn't answer it. I don't really know if anybody has an answer to the cost of college tuition, but it's one of those things that if you know somebody who is in this stage of life, they're in college, they're thinking about college, or the parents of such folks or uh, parents who are, for example, you know, parents of children who are fairly young, but they're thinking about college or some kind of education. And this this goes this says nothing of the fact that sometimes private schools uh, for ages can be just as expensive as a college education. Often it's on people's minds, and so if you're in that position, you know, it, it's a, it's a it's a helpful thing to certainly commiserate about. Uh, I think often people feel very alone. They're, they feel uncomfortable discussing their finances. Other people... Um, but even even uh, to, uh, to reflect on, as they did in this movie, how expensive it can be. And uh, how... The other way to look at it is that, okay, yes, it's expensive. It's very difficult to put a price on it, just as it's very difficult to put a price on other intangible things. Like, for example, like art. How do you put a price on art? I don't know. Then how to bet, best make use of that time? So that's a discussion for a different minute and we'll be discussing more of that but just some food for thought and some things to kind of think about you know going forward so thanks as always for listening you can catch us on social media instagram and twitter you'll find little bits uh, bits and bobs over there uh, sometimes and um if you're a listener on spotify you can go back in previous episodes often there's a little like l- uh, question to uh, to interact with if you have questions for the show uh, feel free to reach out and uh, make a comment on one of those posts and we'll talk to you next minute